to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to kind of kick off Christmas uh, with Christmas struggles. Today we're going to talk about doubt and faith or doubt versus faith and even see her song that she sang this morning, When You Don't. And she listed a lot of things in that song. When you don't give the answers, when you don't do what I think you should do, when you don't do all these things, this song said, I will still trust in you. And uh, we're going to talk about doubt. If you see in your bulletin, in your outline, it says verses 1 through 66. It's going to be a long sermon, folks. (laughs) We're going to do an expository sermon on each verse, the whole 10. No, I'm kidding. We're going to skip right through all these things give you the broad picture of what we're talking about. But in the very beginning of Luke, as you start reading this, this is a story that would help anyone who struggles with doubt in their life. This is the first supernatural event that took place as the Christmas story starts to unfold for us this Christmas season. And in this story, as we read it, an angel appears to a priest named Zechariah, simply to announce the birth of Christ to John the Baptist. And that's kind of the whole preface of it. And this story, as you read through and as you look at other examples, helps us to understand our struggles, our belief, that, and the belief that we have that took place in the heart of Zechariah. And I would say, if we were all truthful and honest, that we all struggle at some point in our life with certain things in our life. Would that be a safe statement to say? That we all struggle at times with what's going on. I know, I'm going to be honest with you, I have. Uh, just not in the past, but in this last week. You know, I struggled with what God is trying to do, what God is trying to get me to understand, and I struggle with that at times. But as the song we just heard, I still trust in Him and what He's doing and where He is leading. I would say we all struggle. And I want you to understand, doubt is a very normal thing in our life. And you could be sitting here this morning doubting the very fact that Kurt's going to be done in 20 minutes this morning in this sermon. That's a very good doubt. I doubt that the world will ever get back to being one nation under God again. That's another doubt that I have a, not a hard thing to believe in. But to find the whole birth of Jesus is hard to grab onto when you really think about it. In verses 1 through 4 of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, listen to what it says. Luke says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So that we can know the certainty of the things we've been taught. This is just really a historical record. A record of eyewitness accounts, servants of the word of God. Of the word given to them. It is a record of a man, Dr. Luke, or Luke, who was led to write. And it's a record to establish the truth. And he says many people have undertaken this feat of trying to make the account of Christ's life. Many tried, he says, but Luke includes so many more events in his writing than Matthew and Mark. Now, the Gospel of John hasn't been written yet. So he's saying that of these other two, I have written more. And the things that you're going to read about have been fulfilled also means that they were believed. 
They're not only fulfilled, but they're believed. Because so many people wrote about the life of Christ, it allows us to believe that these events are true. It allows us to have a record of historical events, events that actually happened, events, the things that actually fulfilled the purpose of God. The early believers had no issue in believing the things of Christ. But at times, people do today. And we need to understand that. We need to grab onto that. We need to understand some truth about this. So today, I hope you can walk out of here after a while, and your faith will be deepened, and you will know what to do with your struggles. So the first thing in your outline I want you to see is this. Doubt is normal, even for godly people. Doubt is normal, even for godly people. On face value, Zechariah does appear to be a person who struggled with this. This is a huge principle for us. The very truth that doubt is normal even for godly people. People are often convinced and believe the supernatural. And others still struggle with doubt from their youth. What I mean by that is this. They believe the supernatural garbage that's out there and what is said about all those things. We'll believe almost anything the world will tell us, but then when it comes to the Word of God, we kind of go, I'm not sure I believe that or not. And you know what? Doubt is normal a lot of times. If you have any doubts on occasion, folks, you're in good company. I mean, John the Baptist in John 1, 31 through 34, talks about how John struggled with this. He says this in those verses. He says, I myself did not know him. And this is the one God called to baptize prior to Jesus. He says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. He might be revealed to Israel and also to me. A little later he says, I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. Okay? He has these, I would not have known him. I really didn't understand it. And it's interesting in Luke 1, 41, where it says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think even with them, they had a hard time believing until that baby leaped, and they understood. You see, John knew. John knew what he knew before he knew that he knew who Jesus was. Say that three times real quick. Jesus knew what he knew before he knew that he knew who Jesus was. John only knew the Messiah was to come. John did not know he was his cousin who was going to be the Messiah. Look at how faithful John was. He had a strong faith, yet he had never seen the Messiah. And even though he did not see the Messiah, he was on a mission. He went about preaching and baptizing. He accepts God's word and God's word alone. He believed that the Messiah was to come. He believed it in his heart. Then in John 20, 24, you remember Thomas? Thomas said this, also called Didymus. He was one of the 12. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side, remember what he said? I will not believe. In other words, Thomas is doubting that this is the resurrected Christ. He is saying, unless I can put my fingers in his hands and put my hand in his side. He goes, I can't believe it. A week later, his disciples were at the house again. And it says, I love what Jesus said. 
He says, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. What is happening in the life of Thomas, one of the twelve, to bring him to this? Understand, Thomas had forsaken God. And it was enough to frustrate him. Even though it says they testified and bore witness to this truth, which in the Greek means they kept on telling him. Now understand this. They're telling one of the twelve, Thomas, this is Christ. This is the risen Savior. This is who he says he is. Over and over again, they kept telling him. Yet Thomas did what? He still doubted. I mean, Thomas had been with Jesus himself. Yet he still doubted so many times. And in fact, it says Thomas became stiff-necked and pig-headed about his faith. In other words, I want proof, Thomas said. I want proof that this is really happening. Also, Thomas had withdrawn from the other disciples, so he was not present when Jesus appeared to them the first time. That's what I don't understand about people and about Christians and about believers and about family, that when we start having struggles and we doubt certain things, the first thing we want to do is pull away from the people we should be drawing the closest to. That is other believers, other Christians, our church family. One of the things we have done for years, and it always gets me in the Christmas spirit and gets me ready, is we've gone over to Christmas in the Chapel at Lincoln Christian University. It's a huge program that they put on. They've done it for 30 years this year. And it was one of those things that when they, it's a little play at the first, but at the end, all the guys and gals come out in their black dresses and their tuxedos, and it's all very traditional Christmas. I mean, you laugh at the first, but then it's very traditional and all the lights and the beauty and all this and the manger scene. Gets me so much ready for Christmas. It's not that I struggle with Christmas. It's not that I'm really ever ready because I really doubt I'll ever really be ready for Christmas. But like I said earlier, I want to be ready and not get caught up in all the other things that Christmas brings because I want it to be for the right reason. So understand, Thomas's doubt is his own fault. He withdrew. But like many, he blamed others because he is aggravated, he's annoyed in his spirit. He has taken all he can and he shouts out, unless I see, unless I put my fingers in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I am not going to believe. And what happened to Thomas? We have to understand this. He had a lost opportunity to see the risen Christ first with the other guys. You see, persistent doubt always delays the blessing. If we continue to have doubt, I doubt this, I doubt that, I won't believe this, I won't believe that. You see, guilt, maybe frustration, maybe disappointment, maybe exclusion often results in self, a self-important spirit, or maybe denial of the facts. It's a reaction, or maybe an outburst. He said to his disciples in Mark 4:40, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Even the disciples, after being with Jesus, watching him do all he did, still Jesus said, why are you afraid? Do you still not believe? And then there's Peter. Man, you can't forget Peter and all this. Here's Peter. I love Peter. He's so much like me, making all these mistakes, doing all these stupid things, you know. And we all can relate to Peter. Jesus sends the disciples to the other side of the lake in Matthew 14. If you remember the story, the boat is being hit by high waves and high winds. In the middle of the night, Jesus walked out 
to them walking on the water. And it says they did not recognize him. Maybe it's because of the spirit he was in. Maybe they were just so afraid of everything going on. They didn't recognize him. But in verses 27 through 31, it explains. It says, it is I, Jesus said to these guys. It is me. Don't be afraid. And verse 32, here's what I love about Peter. Peter says, if it's you, Peter's still doubting. He's still not sure this is Jesus walking on the water to him. He probably thinks it's just his spirit. He says, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water what does jesus tell him come on big boy come on out now again what i love about peter is he got out of the boat peter had enough faith to think it was jesus to get out of the boat and at least walk on try to walk on the water how many of us would have said there's no way i'm getting on this water there's no way I'm getting out of this boat as rocky as it is and as windy as it is and the waves that they're going. There's no way I'm getting out of this water. But Peter did. And it says in the story that Peter actually walked on water. But what happened to Peter? Remember? He sank. Why? This is a great truth here. Why? He took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off Jesus. When Jesus and God doesn't give us the answers we want, the direction we want, the exact things that we want, we doubt. But understand, like the song, we still, what? Trust in him. But even, I love the picture, even as Peter is going down in the rough waters, what do you see? You see Jesus there. Give him a hand. helping him back up. Peter didn't drown. Peter was still good. Peter even down, uh, succeeded in that understand this in your outline doubt is beneficial if if it leads us to investigate there's nothing wrong with doubt unless you just live with it proverbs 14 15 says this a simple man believes anything but a prudent man gives thoughts to his steps jude 22 says be merciful to those who doubt be merciful to them okay Doubt is beneficial. There are times when I actually, well, actually benefit us, and it's appropriate and maybe even essential to doubt some things if we investigate them. We need to be able to doubt when we're trying to discern between what is true and what is false. You've got to hear both sides of that story before you can make a true answer. The kind of doubt is not sarcasm. It is actually smart when we really do it and we do it right. Understand there are two kinds of doubt. Number one, there's a doubt of conscience. A doubt of conscience. And it says this. Doubt of conscience says this. I can't honestly say I believe when I don't, but I'm willing to examine the evidence to see if it's true. Doubt of conscience, it's honest. It says I have doubts. It says I have a hard time believing this, but it also says I'm going to look at the evidence and see if it's true. That's a good thing. But then there's doubt of convenience. And this is what the world is filled with today. Doubt of convenience says this. I don't know if it's true, but it's easier not to believe, so don't confuse me with the evidence. Doubt of convenience, it's dishonest. I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to see the evidence. It's easier just to say, I'm not going to believe it. And so many people do it with the word of God. 
They actually do. I just read something, it was on a newspaper thing, that NASA has actually proven almost all of what the Bible says, if not all of it. NASA, of all people. So you want to question the flood, you want to question you know, the parting of the Red Sea, you want to question all of these things. NASA has all but proven the word that we have. You want to doubt it? That's your choice. But look at the evidence of what we have. Also in your outline it says this, doubt can be detrimental if it regards the evidence and its decisiveness. It can be detrimental. In Luke chapter 1, 19 through 20, listen to what the angel said. It says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day it happens, because you did not believe my words will come true in their appointed time. Talking about Zechariah. Talking about Zechariah. Zechariah ignored the evidence that should have been convincing to him. The evidence that he had should have convinced him, so God disciplines Zechariah for his doubts. It's pretty drastic, but he does. You see, prolonged doubt, indecisive doubt, is a disadvantage to us as well. If we doubt everything in life, if we doubt everything about the church, if we doubt everything about scriptures, I guarantee you, doubt will sour our personality. It really will. Doubt also opens the door to temptation. If we doubt God's goodness, if we doubt God's love, if we doubt those things that God has for us, it's going to lead to temptation. Doubt negates our witness. If we can't stand firm on the word of God, on the truth of God, and what God has for us, I guarantee you the message you give other people is going to negate our witness. Doubt can also nullify our prayers. I mean, you can pray all you want to, but if you doubt, your prayers are being heard. If you doubt, God will do what you need him to do. If you doubt God's power and God's strength, it's going to nullify our prayers. The prayers of a righteous person availeth much. Not one who doubts. And doubt excuses our immorality. You know, just excuse it. So also understand this. Doubt is conquerable and it should be overcome. Doubt is conquerable and it should be overcome. Zechariah's doubt were soon gone because the evidence was right in front of him. Although he could not speak, just as the angel had predicted, then his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant just as the angel prophesied. So this story, if you read Zechariah and the story that we're talking about, it gives us essential steps to conquering this doubt. Zechariah went through it, I believe, and I think we can too. Number one, Zechariah examined the evidence, and that's what we have to do also. We have to examine the evidence that's before us. We have to believe the evidence that we have. Romans ten seventeen says this, Consequently, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of God. This message is truth. It's truth for us. Maybe it sounds easier to say, I'm not sure what I believe. Have you heard anybody say that? Well, I'm not real sure what I believe about this. You know what? It doesn't make any difference what I believe about this. It makes a difference of what God's Word says to believe about this. And I can guarantee you anything that comes up, the answer about what God says to believe is right here. All you have to do is look at it. 
All we have to do is read it. All we have to do is find it. All we have to do is find the truth in God's word, and it leads us to where we want to be. And then secondly, we have to decide to obey God's word. That's a tough one. It's not one thing to hear it. It's not one thing to read it. not one thing to understand it. We have to obey God's word. You see, it wasn't until Zechariah humbly obeys God's command and named John the Baptist John that Zechariah was able to speak. See, after we've examined all the evidence, we need to begin to put in perspective what God says. There comes a moment we have to decide. There comes a moment we have to obey. There comes a moment in time where our doubt is given over to the evidence and the proof that God's word has for us, and then that doubt goes away with the truth of what we need. But the question is this. Do you decide to believe the evidence and act on that faith? Or do we reject the evidence as false and live a life of self-indulgence of what we want? Matthew 4.16 says this. It says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The truth has been given. The world has seen the light and knows the light, and I truly believe understands there is a true light out there, but they choose not to see it. And Mark 9, 23 through 27, tells of a, of a father that brings his sick son to Jesus for healing. If you know the story, he begged Jesus for help. Remember last Sunday we talked about pleading to God? That's what this man does. Brings his son to Jesus and pleads and begs Jesus for help. And he says to Jesus, if you can, Jesus, heal my son. There's a little doubt in that. You catch that? If you can, Jesus, heal my son. And Jesus says this, if you can? It's like, really? You're asking me, Jesus, if I can do this. He says, everything is possible for him who believes. And I love the Father's response. I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. There's a little doubt there. But he wants to overcome it. You see, doubt and faith are often mixed in the same heart. Doubt and faith are often mixed. We may believe 90% and doubt 10%, but we need to bring that doubt to Jesus and with faith allow him to have it and allow him to increase our faith. What do you doubt today? What do you doubt that is truly life-changing in our world today? You see, I like what somebody said. Faith is going to the edge of all the light you have and taking one more step taking one more step and that's what we're talking about taking that one step further and saying you know what God is still there in that next step folks we all struggle at times we really do we struggle with truth we struggle with what's going on we struggle with life we struggle with maybe this Christmas season maybe we struggle with the true reason for Christmas and what the world wants us to believe. But I hope and I pray this morning that we truly understand that doubt is not all bad, but we have to allow that doubt to lead us to find the truth. And once we find the truth, we obey the truth. 